Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. We've got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons out of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 250-plus premium podcasts annually. You get the free show here, and this week we're going to be talking about tactics, strategies, some specific players, how to construct trades, because this is a period, the next four, five, six weeks, not a lot's going to be going on. People are thinking about their teams, but the news isn't going to really shift a lot of player value. You're going to see some static nature. This might be the time to circle back if you weren't able to make some trades around your rookie draft time, probably in the rear view by a month or two. But once things get going in the training camp preseason zone, Things are just going to be completely liquid and dependent on your league, even more than usual, all the way until the end of the calendar year or whenever your trading deadline is. So Katie Flower, I've got some trades here to discuss about, is this the the type of trade to make now? Is it the type of trade to wait? But also constructing trades, we're going to talk about a lot of different ways that you can make deals, make proposals that make the most sense or maybe not sense for your team. Um, I wanted to start out with Julio Jones. We talked about him a little bit, but let's talk about Julio Jones in representing a bridge player, a player where you expect to contend, a player that's probably on a couple of year window. Maybe from what we've seen in the past, he could be on a one year type window of providing top 20, top 24 production. Could be multiple years. But I would ask you first, Katie, is this the time of year? We're in July, early August. Is this the time of year to acquire a Julio Jones type bridge player? And I know, you know, running back, we typically want to wait on that. But wide receiver here, Or is this the thing where let's wait a few weeks into the season, see if Julio's healthy? Is he actually producing? Is that the better plan uh, timing wise here? Well, with a bridge player, they especially bridge wide receivers and tight ends and even quarterbacks now and any time of year is a good time to obtain them. So it just depends then on price. If you can, if your Julio Jones owner is rebuilding and skittish about the new team or the age, the next injury being a no exit. Yeah. Whatever the case may be. And you can acquire him at a reasonable cost. Then now is a good time to do it. So it really depends on what they're asking. So let's throw out some, I, I, I saw these are actual executed trades over the last few weeks. So this would be post, uh, post signing there. And, uh, post trade, uh, you know, post movement over there to Tennessee, a super flex. These are all super flex leagues. So the dividing line seems to be somewhere in the first round pick to second round pick zone. How do you feel about a team you expect to contend giving a second at this time for Julio Jones? 
that would be totally acceptable. That would okay. be a great price. Absolutely. And one thing tactically we've talked about team building that if you're sitting there and let's say you have some younger players, you expect them to develop. There's a question mark on, well, when will they develop? It may be 2022 and not 2021. So if Julio Jones right now, you think, okay, if I'm setting lineups about what I expect, if Julio Jones slots in and say your wide receiver two, and all of a sudden we talked before about if it pushes down everybody else, that can be a really good function and role for a Julio Jones type. One thing I would say is maybe you do want to wait to see what the upside with Jones is if you have a stronger wide receiver core and you're just trying to get better and deeper where he might slot in as your wide receiver three, four, five, then maybe you have a little more pause and you just want to hold out of saying, Let's see if he is healthy, you know, that, that he doesn't help you or affect impact your team and lineup as much. What do you think about the first round pick? I think the first is, is close, but in, I would rather do like, even there's, I'm not sure there's many owners that are going to trade him straight up for a second, especially if it's a contending team. But if you've got somebody like Des Fitzpatrick or Nico Collins, somebody that you just got in round three or whatever of the rookie draft uh, throw in that type of player with that second round to get Julio rather than bump it up to a first. The first makes me a little squeamish. Not that the value isn't about right, but you just never know. You never know. What if you don't contend? What if it turns into one Oh five, one Oh six. And what if you look back and Julio didn't help you? I'm fine trading. I am more okay trading a first when it's A, for a blue chipper that is a dynasty trade and not a bridge trade. I'm more okay with it like that. If I have to give that to get it done, I gave a first in one instance to get, and part of a bigger deal, but to get Christian McCaffrey. I'm fine doing that. Like if you're making something that's going to, but Julio Jones, wait, if you have to give a first, like, man, I need wide receiver help. I think if you wait in season, you get these teams falling out of it. A, you might get a better wide receiver. B, you probably can pay a second instead of a first. And C, you can gauge your first and make sure it's not looking like a top five, six pick, you know, through four, five, six weeks. Exactly. Exactly. Bridge players are bridge players because they're cheap. Like if I can't get Julio at that price, I bet you I could get AJ Green for a third fourth who knows or or adam thielen for a second right i mean you get other options other pivots where see i i almost like going in the bridge market of like you say it's almost like a a cover charge right it's five dollars so i'm trying to get into this club i have a five dollar bill and i'm holding it up and then you say what can i like let me see make sure the baseline is there for what i'm looking for but if you got three four five guys i mean heck you might get to september or even right now you could pay a second for maybe cooper cup you might be able to pay a second so you might have four five six guys right so in that 27 plus wide receiver range look at all those teams that have those types of players and you might be willing to give a second. You might be willing to give a second and players, like you mentioned, with reserving that first round pick for either A, true impact guy, B, a longer lens of a player you're comfortable with, um, or or C, you wait into in-season to make sure that value point of later first and the players producing and healthy combo is there. Exactly. And you illustrated another UTH point that we're always trying to hammer home and that is by opening up 
your lens instead of just focusing on Julio Jones as the only bridge wide receiver that in my marketplace, open it up to that tier of 27 to 29 year old wide receivers. And like you said, dangle that second, send offers to all the rebuilders. You know who the rebuilders are. Some of them even announce it in chat. Some of them will put it on their trade bait. I'm rebuilding. And the first person with a, with a second and maybe even, uh, you know, some young player that hasn't done anything yet that you got very inexpensively and, and have your doubts as to whether or not they'll ever break out. They could potentially be getting a steal if that Nico Collins pick player hits and then plus the second hits. But that's what it's all about. They're looking for young and picks and you're looking for the bridge. Yeah, and we'll mention it when we get there. But when you get to even week three, week four, you get these teams that were like, yeah, if I hit the inside straight, if I have the perfect storm and I start out strong, have some surprise players, et cetera, then yeah, I'm planning to contend. But they might just be kind of holding out and saying like, eh, a great start to the season I'm in, but otherwise I'm trending towards out. They might fire sale at week three, week four, week five, which is on the early side of the data point spectrum. However, that might be the point where, all right, Julio Jones, he's locked in here. I kind of feel like I know, you know, the targets are going to be decent. He's healthy. And, uh, you know, everything's kind of aligning for him to be a top, you know, 20, 30 guy this year. And now I'm comfortable. And now I, ha- I just have more data points. But you're still on the early side of addressing those potentially now I'm rebuilding. Now I'm looking ahead teams. Now let's shift over. And this is a little bit of leading the witness question, but. We're gonna let's talk a little bit about Mike Davis. So bridge running back, you know, he's he's 27, 28 years old right now. Um, he's one of the more interesting guys for me, just because I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top 12 guy this year. I also wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta ends up signing someone that makes Mike Davis in a committee. Uh, it could be someone that's cut a trade in August or September. I think there's a wide range of outcomes for Mike Davis on how clear we view the the production, you know, to start the year. If he gets hurt, I mean, wheels off, you would think, and and just everything value-wise is kind of gone for a guy of his ilk and and, you know, age and all that and just not having the profile here. So is Mike Davis different than say a bridge wide receiver in acquiring him now before camp and before the preseason and everything? No, again, he, he is the projected starter. So I would gamble a second round pick. Um, I, I would try with a third, a third plus that young player. Again, uh, people that are rebuilding or perceive themselves as rebuilding, they're looking for two things. They're looking for picks and they're looking for youth. So if you can give them somebody, uh, Kenny Nguangnu, or however you pronounce his name, or whatever, um, you know, Javian Hawkins plus a third to get Mike Davis, or anybody, like if, if you're not making the deal right now, anytime in the next couple of weeks with a little bit of training camp buzz, that young player plus a future third would be stealing Mike Davis. And like, if Mike like Jermar Jefferson breaks off a couple nice runs in the fourth, the second half of the Detroit game or two. Yeah. Something like that. Right. So 
I don't know that a lot of people would expect a lot more from Mike Davis either. If you're rebuilding, you don't want his production on your team and you're worried about his age. So he's going to be more of a hot potato than a Julio Jones would be. He doesn't have the name cachet. He, he's a Rodney Dangerfield type player. People are skeptical if they're not believing. You can bank on that. So you can, you can get him, I would say, for a third or maybe a third plus like a small piece. Yeah, the the couple of trades I found kind of centering on 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 a central value here was uh 212 this year uh in Superflex. Um another one would be a future second in Superflex. Um now again that has more ranging uh, of where that could be than the 212 this year, uh but you probably have your rookie draft already in the rear view. This other one I wanted to ask you about, you know, is this a two-way go trade or is this getting cute? So we have Josh Jacobs, who I think is a buy and not a sell, but in this case, this would be Josh Jacobs for Mike Davis and a 22 first in Superflex. So is this a two-way go of saying, hey, Mike Davis might outscore Jacobs this year, and then you get the first, well, what if I'm wrong? I still get the pick, or is this getting too cute with a round one, already a couple top 24 seasons profile in Josh Jacobs? I think it's getting a little too cute. Um you'd have to bank on that rookie first being somewhere from 101 to 106 for it to be even palatable. Unlikely uh, to get a first round running back, you know, typically unless it's right. up high in the round, uh, you're probably going to miss out on the top quarterback or two, the wide receiver class. I would say right now, a wide range of who's the wide receiver, one, two, three, et cetera. How much, round one pedigree is there. You really don't have a Jamar chase per se of a guy that you're kind of projecting in the top five, 10 uh, early round one at this point. So, so yeah, there, there's plenty of variables with that pick, not painting out to the degree of you kind of have to go into this and say, what if Mike Davis ends up being a committee guy or injury away guy this year? And then what if he kind of fritters into dust, you know, it, within the next 18 months. So then you have yeah, to say, well, now it's Jacobs for a pick. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade Josh Jacobs. He's too much capital to make that kind of a trade. Right. If you're if you're after Mike Davis, you want it in a smaller package or you want more on the Mike Davis side. Right. Yeah, you want to aim maybe a little higher than Mike Davis if this is your construction. And to be fair, I've seen Jacobs traded for first or first plus plus lesser. Uh, assets. So he's not really, I, I mentioned that in the open, but, but Jacobs would be right. one. He's not a sell right now. He's more of a buy. I mean, plenty of people have him market wise outside the top 20 running backs, which is a bit absurd, you know, for what he's done so far. And it's a lot of reaction to the fact that he hasn't caught a, a ton of passes so far and they bring in Kenyon Drake. So you kind of have to, what do we say? Know the room, right? You're walking into yeah. a room and the room would be the general dynasty community that Josh Jacobs is not widely appreciated Therefore, you don't walk into that and go, yeah, I got like a, you know, uh, someone rubbed a dirty diaper on this asset. Do you want to buy it? No, this is the wrong time. When Jacobs is getting 20 plus carries in a game, a couple touchdown game in September, that's a better time to have a better reflection of his market value. Yeah, the narrative on Jacobs is as much to do with the Raiders and their crappy offensive line as anything else and spending and on a you, secondary running back Drake and the question mark of how much they're going to be splitting 
that's too many question marks for most dynasty owners. And that's why you're not going to get a big, big price for Josh Jacobs right now. Yeah. Uh, shifting to a wide receiver here uh, and the younger variety. Um, I, and I kind of wrote down that the Chase Claypool affordability factor. Um, do you think like they have three strong wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year deal. I'm not the biggest Deontay Johnson fan, but some people are. Uh, but they've got a rotation of three guys um, within that offense and is Big Ben back the following year. But do you think Chase Claypool, is he going to be any cheaper over the next one to two seasons than he is right now? He's he's in the 20s of cost, which is pretty affordable when you consider his physical traits. Some guys get a giant bump post year one or post making some highlight plays uh, early on in their career. Claypool feels a little sluggish in terms of how the dynasty market typically reacts to that sort of profile doing what he did early on. Yeah. I think that his price with one more good year would go up and probably not come back down. And this is probably, he is just lost in that mix. Wide receivers are starting to lose even the young guys because there's so many of them, they're losing their market value as a whole, unless it's a guy like Jefferson or, you know, somebody, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, those types that are near the top, the rest of them are kind of, eh, just throw them around in the middle. And that's just the mood. That's just the way that everybody's kind of feeling right now. Well, cause, and I think part of that is you get to a certain point and there is sort of, enough teams in the league have enough depth where they say, is this moving the needle for my team? Now, obviously we talked about with Julio Jones. If you are a team that's lighter at wide receiver, this middle bucket of say, you know, wide receiver 20 to 50, where you say, I don't have enough guys, you know, in the top 10 to 20, but I need upside to get someone from the deeper bucket that could get there. Claypool. Like I looked at his comps. I mean, his, his year one, those are the guys that, A, I would say, do not be surprised if he is a top 12 wide receiver this year. That is within his range of outcomes. It could be a Deontay Johnson, we kind of know what you are. Juju Smith-Schuster, we kind of know what you are. I think if there's one guy of those three that this year, whether there's an injury to one of the other two guys or whatever, but if you say one guy just sort of shoots up like a rocket ship and he, he scores 13 touchdowns and has like 1,150 yards and just you know, a lot more and progressing from what we saw last year, taking that step. I think it's Claypool of the three. I do like Juju Smith-Schuster as a buy, you know, kind of going into free agency, the longer term lens and sort of what the floor outcome is for the next three, four years for him. I like all that. Um, but I don't think some return to wide receiver five, eight, something like that is coming for Juju Smith-Schuster this year. I just don't. And I think Claypool provides something different than the other two guys. Um, let me, so let me ask you this in terms of let's dial in about, I, I found some interesting deals here. How do you, what do you think about this profiling? Cause he, he was traded for a couple of rookie round two wide receivers. So this is going to be, you know, you have one in the, you know, you kind of put one in the cupboard here of Claypool had a success track year one. Now you, you, you reset them for two unknowns, two unknowns. I like, for example, but Terrace Marshall and Rondale Moore. So you're getting two for one. If you look at just the pre-draft profile, but you can't ignore year one. So how do you kind of, how, do, how does this sit with you, Katie? I would rather have 
Claypool. I like both those wide receivers, but as you mentioned, uh, there is no track record and it's taking a lot of risk. Yeah, you're getting two Chances. for the price of one, but I don't know that Marshall or Moore can be a wide receiver one type player in the NFL. I think they will be, when all is said and done, like a Christian Kirk type player, which is not bad, but fantasy-wise, not great. You can't cut him because he's too good. You can't really trade him because nobody's interested. And you can't really start him because they're just average Dart throw, points, dart throw unless flex. it's a bye week or you get a lot of injuries or something like that. So Claypool has shown a stud type year in his rookie season. And he's got the size. He's got the ability. We saw him at the senior bowl up close. He's a hardworking guy. And he's somebody that, that could be a wide receiver one on his team in the very near future. I'd rather have the wide receiver one than two chips that are, both very similar to each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you're resetting the clock in not a good way because wide receiver, it's tough to pinpoint guys that look like they could be potentially be an alpha wide receiver. That's hard to find. Rondell Moore doesn't really profile in that way, even though I like him for what he does. And could Marshall? Yes, but DJ Moore is there. Terrace Marshall's, I, sorry, uh, uh, you got Robbie Anderson there, and you've got a question at quarterback. So, yeah, Pittsburgh could have a question at quarterback too, but you look at those three profiles and one of them looks more like an alpha potential than the other two. And I, I keep thinking, what does one of these rookies need to do to offset, like to make this look good or look even postseason? And uh, it feels like one of those guys has to be like top 30 to 40, right? Because Claypool is going to probably be higher than that. And then it's gonna, and then he's gonna. Claypool's gonna have some buzz in January of like, well, Juju Smith-Schuster's probably gonna leave, and you know, another step, you know, is gonna be taken forward in year three here. So I just, I think you're really trying to shoot the needle. And then you say, say this, that probably one of those two guys, even though I like them both, like you said, probably one of them at least is gonna settle off, and their peak season might be wide receiver 40, 50, 60 in their career. So you gotta be careful how good the other one needs to be. Yeah, the other thing about Terrace Marshall, in the Dynasty community, the reason he fell, and everybody knows it, is the injury history and the medicals. So that will be hanging around his neck like an albatross. It'll take him three really good years just to probably get similar type trade value as what you have in Chase Claypool right now. And then Rondell Moore, like you said, we both like him. He's a very talented, very uh, athletic guy. But from a fantasy perspective, I don't see him as a Tyreek Hill. And I don't see him necessarily as a wide receiver one. I, th I think he's going to be middling of the pack, which, again, not bad. He's more but... like Percy Harvin. And Percy Harvin is a very unique case of how much he worked out when he was healthy and sort of in his prime there with the with the Vikings. That is not a that 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 is a tough thing to pinpoint historically on what types of profiles like that are going to actually turn out that way with that outcome. Um, yeah. So this other one is uh, now again. Is this getting too cutesy or is this a lot? Like, are we, could we look in January and you got some picks for free here? DJ Moore for Chase Claypool and a twenty three first and second. 
in Superflex? Oh, man. <laughs> I like the uh, Claypool side there. Okay. Because DJ Moore has built himself a, a, a nice profile, you know, early on. But those picks to me are a hammer, right? I mean, this is, you're insulating yourself to say, let's say Claypool, I am dead wrong about him. Then you still have, because you've already talked about 23, like you are looking forward to that class. You're looking forward to those picks. And in Superflex, you get a lot of leverage where by the time you get there, even if Claypool levels off, let's say he's a, you know, boom bust wide receiver 30 to 50 type for this year and for next year. And DJ Moore is, you know, in that top 24 kind of mix. He's been top 25 the past two years that you can still write that ship completely with those picks. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the value of Claypool and Moore isn't far enough apart. Right to justify the 2023 first and second. That's gravy. That's gravy. And can Claypool put up similar numbers to more? Again, production-wise, yeah. I think all he, he has to all he has to do is get close, right? You don't have to be <laughs> totally right. Obviously, if if Claypool ends up being the right answer, you crush this. And this is one of those, you know, in my plus minus 10 database. I mean, this could turn out to be a plus 10 trade. This has the possibility if Claypool turns into, you know, a top 12 producer between this year, and next year for one year, it's going to be a plus 10 because those picks on top is just going to be such a, a mammoth windfall profit. But you can still, even if he levels off, he's a top 25, 30 guy. You can still have this as a, as a solid win because those picks are two years out and that team can mess up their team easily, even if they're good or okay right now. Yeah, I mean, you know Scott Connor. We've had him on the show before. We're in a league with him as well, and I'm on a different podcast with him on the Off the Rails podcast from time to time. He turned me on to this really great book called Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke, who was a professional poker player. And when you think along those terms, and again, the value difference between Claypool and Moore right now isn't that great that you're betting on that 2023 first and second, even if it ends up the 112, that class is so special. It's shaping up to be a very special class. And you could still, as you said, win this trade. You're betting on the future. And the two players, while they're not perceived as about the same, if you really think about it, their value is very close to the same close enough to where I would make that bet hundred percent of the time. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, now, what do you think about a guy with more draft pedigree coming out of year one? Uh, he showed plenty of good things himself. And this is a rare straight up same position deal in Jerry Judy for Chase Claypool. Uh, I love Judy. Um, I think that you could probably get more though. Okay. Just because of the perception. I mean, you still have the quarterback issues in Denver. Um, you've got Cortland Sutton coming back. There's a lot of mouse to feed. Drew Locke is not the answer. So I think you should be able to have gotten more. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And, and I always, we've, we've said this before, that if you do the same position, uh, sort of arbitrage and one-for-one -one construction, 
there's enough wiggle room and latitude there. If people are willing to, or someone, if that is sent to you per se in a straight up fashion, they're willing to give a little bit more. And if you have them close enough, that's where, okay, give me a third round pick. Give me an injury away running back. Give me a, a pick upgrade here. Uh, give me a little bit of, you know, QB tight end, whatever upgrade, like just give you that little juice because if they send it straight up, that means by deduction, they prefer the player. And it's very easy to see the valuation there of the player sending that prefers Jerry Judy to Claypool, you know, if they're offering Claypool for Judy just as a, so, so that's why the, the sort of breaking down what it mean, what offers mean, I think is pretty important because you can typically, someone's willing to give on one side or the other, and you have to figure that out by who sent the offer when and what that's telling you. Yeah, exactly. I don't like trading the same position similar age or even similar just, draft. It's just class. rare. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you might see straight up where it's like, oh, someone's trading, you know, uh, Adam Thielen for Claypool or, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're typically going older for younger, different team directions. Exactly. That's the whole point. Unless there's a different windows, there's gotta be something different about it. But these guys both came out of the same draft class and yeah. I, that kind, as you mentioned, is rare and you just, that's like someone walking up and it's like, Oh, T Higgins for chase Claypool, you know, or like, you know, like you said, you're in the same age bucket, same sort of similar career arc bucket, you know, like it's very interesting that those are actually executed. I, I don't know if I've ever made one of those. Um, then finally in Superflex, and this is a player we've discussed a little bit. It might be more offline uh, off this show than, than uh, on the show of late, but Carson Wentz in Superflex for chase Claypool. So is this something you're willing to give up Carson Wentz in terms of, let's say he's your QB two or QB three. Uh, and you know, you want to stabilize a little more at wide receiver. There is some risk with, with Carson Wentz, you know, that if this season does not go well, his, his value is going to go what in half in a third, he's going to be in that discount retread bucket even more than he is now. Yeah. So you're saying you're buying chase Claypool by, by giving Wentz. Carson. Yeah. Assuming he's your, say you got a QB two, three sort of committee. What if he's your QB three? Are those dynamics that are important in making a deal like this? It They are. If, if you're deep, if Carson Wentz is your QB three or four or even five, then yes. And you need help at wide receiver. That's not a bad deal. You're betting that Carson Wentz isn't going to be any better in Indianapolis than he was in Philadelphia. You're betting that his value is just going to, tank and continue to go down. I'm not a hundred percent certain that's going to happen. And I would hate to lose a potential rebound quarterback. Uh, Do you think he comes back? Like if Wentz is, let's say a top, let's be reasonable. Let's say he's a top 15 fantasy option. Let's say he's on that you know, 10 to 15, he has some, some really nice weeks, but he's not a dominant player, but certainly this is a huge rebound from where he was in the perception in the nine, 12 months previous to week one in this year. Like, is that enough to say you could still win the deal going to Claypool? Or is that one where you say, Hey, positional value, his value and, and kind of promise for me and projecting ahead and the marketplace is going to be good enough that you want to side with the quarterback here. Yeah, quarterback has more 
perceived value in Superflex, whether it's the case or not. I don't think that Carson Wentz will ever rebound enough to be a first round startup pick again, but I think that he could rebound to still be a coveted asset in Superflex. And, and so I, I would, again, it's all up to everybody has, if he's the QB three, four or five on a team and you really need wide receiver and you've got a lot of belief in chase Claypool, it's not a bad deal. No, it's not. And it, and there's ways you can win the trade. There's ways you could lose the trade. Yeah. And I, I think also if you're kind of built where maybe this is the year you found some value and you, you were able to draft Mac Jones, you know, you found him in the late first or early second. And so now you have another guy with pedigree, or maybe you, you took Justin Fields or Lance or, or Lawrence or, or whatever it is. And, and you already have, you know, say you already have a top six, eight quarterback of the veteran variety. So now you're like, okay, I feel pretty good. And then maybe the, the guy taking his spot, you know, or maybe your QB four or five is someone like a Bridgewater, you know, or one of these profiled guys where you wouldn't be surprised if they see some starts over the next two, three years um, to kind of help you out with that depth. Then I do think it makes, it does mitigate risk a little bit uh, by getting, in my opinion, first round valuation here for Carson Wentz. So Wentz is one where depending on the type of deal and how you're making it, I, I think he could be a buy, but I also think he could be a sell. Um, just on how you want to look at his value and insulation and maybe how much you need uh, a QB 10, 15, 18, sort of he bounces back, but it's a run first. You know, it's not a dynamic environment that's probably going to offer top five, six upside. Um, last one, and we got we to gotta weigh in here on Deshaun Watson. Uh, he continues to slide, Katie. I, I see it all the time that he's now at like the QB 15, 16. I mean, this is... the. So, so just weigh in on your thoughts of him as a dynasty asset here, because you get to about QB 20 or so, and it's a little laughable when you consider the guys he's, he, he, he would be, if he drops any farther rubbing elbows with. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to be banned from the NFL for life. I don't, even if he loses one year, he's way young enough to rebound uh, getting out of Houston could be the best thing that happened to him. So all of those scenarios, I'm a buyer of Watson. I, I'm a, I'm a buyer at his discounted price and stash him. If he plays this year, great bonus. And if he doesn't, and you're a rebuilding team, then that doesn't hurt you either because you don't have his production. So yeah, I mean, look at some of the other guys that have done, I mean, if he even did anything, if this isn't just a shakedown, uh, look at some of the other guys that are still in the NFL or that have come back from suspensions. Yeah, if he's eligible, he will get more chances and Houston will be able to get a quality return. I do, I do play out in my mind, if in the next four, eight weeks, it comes out that, okay, Deshaun Watson is on the commissioner's exempt list. And then there's a lot of smoke of like, he's officially going to be out for the season. Like he is basically, he's not going to play, or he says some combination of, you know, I'm on the exempt list now, but he said, he states, I'm not playing in Houston. Like I, like I'm on the exempt list. I get that. But if I'm reinstated, 
I'm still not playing. Like if some combo of like everyone now has clarity, Deshaun Watson's not playing zero of 17 this year. That's what you're getting out of him uh, for your dynasty activity. I just kind of wonder, does that mean he's falling? Because you're talking about a price point that, I mean, you're going to now start putting him behind. Is a contender going to put Brady over him? Is someone going to start taking Tua over him or Baker Mayfield or Carson Wentz? I mean, I guess maybe, but I don't know if the Watson owners right now are holding out like, oh yeah, I am holding him. And part of that reason is I think he's going to play the, the whole year for me this year. You've got to wrap your brain around the calculus by this point, right? I mean, of like you have him because you you have that within the range of outcomes and you're okay with it. Well, that's exactly correct. I mean, this is dynasty. It's not redraft. If he plays, that's just going to be a bonus. You should already be going into the season with the mindset that you don't have Watson. And if he does play, that's bonus. And if he doesn't, then you, you're already planning Life other avenues for your team. Next expected start week one, 2022. Right. We'll see what happens before then. Um, yeah. And with no, no DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, let's face it. It's an eroding situation around him that look around the NFL. Look at the other 31. I mean, almost all of them are better static situations of what picks do they have? What uh, surrounding talent do they have cap room, et cetera, uh, to, to foster a franchise quarterback playing at a peak level. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm situationally, I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. So we Gareth, already know how Washington football team feels about women. So they'll welcome Deshaun Watson and let Fitz magic, you know, you got one more year yeah. with Fitz magic and then Watson comes on in and Zing. takes that, <laughs> right. Um, all right. So I wanted to start out with with the most interesting trade that I found as a discussion point for Watson here. So is this making a deal with the devil, or is this how you truly win and dominate in Dynasty? I'm going to spark your interest in the first name I'm going to mention here: Patrick Mahomes and Julio Jones for Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson. Is this how you get two top five quarterbacks, Katie, or is this like? Nope. You sit there with Mahomes. Even though I liked Allen, I like Watson for next year. You don't do that. I would take Watson and Allen. Okay. Is I think ha- that Mahomes and Allen are, again, it, you think in bets. Right. Are they really that much different fantasy wise. One goes at 101 in in uh Superflex, the other usually goes at 102. Yeah. They're both young. They both have cannon arms. They both can run. One's on a Super Bowl team, the other one's on a an up and coming, you know, they've got some good weapons around them. And then it's basically then Julio for Deshaun Watson and we've already discussed Julio's value. Right. Julio at his age is only going to decrease Watson at his age just needs to get over this hurdle, whatever it ends up being a suspension for a year, six games, exemplist. I mean, does it feel like if you can, if you can absorb the, okay, Watson doesn't play this. If can you get to like week four, week five next year of like, like let's say you have Mahomes and a lot of QB questions. You can go in next year, uh, and and for as good as Mahomes is, 
I mean, Allen has posted in one elite season, another QB1 season, and this is within his first three years in the NFL. So he's on a high, high level track. Is he on Mahomes' track? Not yet, but he's behind. So he's never truly going to catch up if Mahomes keeps posting dominant years. He's always sort of career arc wise going to be a little ahead, but it's the calculus of how much difference is there. Like, I think that Julio Jones piece needs to be better. And, and frankly, in a, a deal this big with this magnitude on the line, I think Julio Jones almost doesn't even matter. I don't know if you feel that way, but it's like you need to base it on the other players in the deal. Julio Jones isn't really moving the needle one way or the other to stop you or make you do the deal. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, we've got, uh, yeah, okay. well, just, go for it. I went on football guys real quick because they've sure. got a really great under their stats tab. You can do number of top 12 finishes for a quarterback. Yep. So from 2017 to 2020 week 17, Patrick Mahomes has 10 top 12 weeks and Josh Allen has nine. You move that needle to top five and Patrick Mahomes. Well, wait a second. Uh, I'm going to let you go. But when you say 12 or 10 or something over like a four year period, I'm going to probably. Yeah, no, it 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 didn't update the table. So sorry, that was wrong. 32. Patrick Mahomes had 30. That sounds more right. Yeah, that's a lot better. I was like, something doesn't sound right. Um, And actually was. Allen was 2018, so let's move it to two. I would say the last two years, they've both been on pretty good tracks for two years. Right. So Patrick Mahomes had 32. Josh Allen has had 21, yeah. which, yes, that's a lot of games different. Well, Allen was one year behind because that rookie season, he was a, a, a relative S show as a passer. So. A- exactly. Exactly. So it's probably a lot, like you were saying, I mean, so if he has one more year, you're probably talking over a three-year sample of like, it might be the difference of five games over three years of that threshold that we're, we're kind of referencing. So, so yeah, that difference is not worth Deshaun Watson, you know, in terms of, wow. I mean, you could be getting another guy in his mid twenties that has posted. And to be fair, I mean, Deshaun Watson is on a big, big time track. He's had seasons of QB two, five and seven in points per game, which is right there. I mean, so, so yeah, that differential is uh, is tough to say no. Uh, one more here, and this is going to be another, again, you're constructing this trade either in the right way or the wrong way. Deshaun Watson for Mac Jones and a 22 first. No way. Okay. And why? Uh, you want to talk about risk, right? Well, yeah, it's it's much higher risk, but I, I don't think that his value, the, the 22 first, it would totally, again, depend on where it is. But this could, really this could be a loss, players. even that if that turns into the number one quarterback off the board. Even, uh, if, even if Spencer Rattler goes 101 in, in rookie drafts next year, that even if that turns into Spencer Rattler, you could still lose that with Watson back in 22 and playing and kind of looking himself. You could. It's a lot more palatable. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, if, yeah. if you knew that it was going to be the 101... Uh, I'm just saying even, that's even, it's within the range of outcomes. Let's assume Mac Jones is like, you know, even if he's a success, let's say he's more a QB two type than a QB one type. I like Mac Jones. I've come around a long way on him, but chances are he's not going to play this year. So if the reason that you're trading Deshaun Watson is you want a quarterback for this year, 
you didn't do that with Mac Jones or the 22 first. Right. That, that's a, and that's one of my bigger points I was going to make. So yeah, that, that if you're worried about missing out this year, if you want to make that first, uh, you want to make that first high, uh, sorry, make it late to protect yourself. Uh, you know, that you're not doing it. You're not doing it. I mean, spend a first, and or Mac, you know, get something else. Get get a producer now, uh, because giving those two, yeah, uh, you can definitely do it a different way. Um, all right, final thoughts, Katie, uh, as we get out of here. And uh, this is the sort of uh, these are getaway weeks. The next uh, three four shows here, we're going to come up with a variety of different topics. We're going to talk through some player value, but uh, things are going to start changing for another month or so. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to a new listener. Uh, his name is Ted. He reached out to me on Twitter for some advice, and I instantly uh, followed him so that we could DM. I just want to say thanks for listening. And he was he was surprised that I answered him so quickly. He said a lot of people in this position having a podcast don't get back to him. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but. I can say from my own track record, unless I've been traveling so much and I accidentally missed seeing something, I've replied to every single person uh, that I've ever had a question on Twitter. So please feel free to reach out, ask questions on Twitter. Um, I'm probably going to follow you so that we can private message. And just in case your league mates follow you, you can get some private advice. And uh, I highly recommend that you find a few people that you trust that you listen to, especially if you're new at dynasty, it's a great, great, it's a great hobby to have. I love dynasty way more than redraft, but it takes a little bit to figure out. And again, you have questions, please feel free, reach out on Twitter and I will try my best to get you an answer. Excellent stuff. Uh, My last point is going to be, you take this time. I've purposely been sort of enjoying the uh, respite here, enjoying a little bit of the more flexible time for recreation, dialing down a little bit because we know uh, as dynasty owners, analysts, etc., about mid-August or especially late August and forward, uh, it's going to be busy. You're going to get into the weekly machinations of the season. Uh, there's going to be so much flooding at us you know, every single week of new data points. Um, so I've always told people this is the time period, You know, July, uh, some parts of June as well. I mean, it really is low news time and low stuff changing. So you probably were trying to make a bunch of deals around rookie draft time, maybe even right after rookie draft time about, you know, reaching back out about some players. So this is not a heavy activity period. And what I would say is if you are a higher volume dynasty player, or, you know, now you want to maybe focus, do a few redrafts or best balls or, you know, whatever it is, or just, Hey, you're enjoying uh, the NBA finals coming up and uh, you know, maybe the, the Euro uh, soccer, you know, or whatever it is, or, golf, baseball, et cetera. What I would say is, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to take a little bit of, of, of a break from, yeah, man, I'm grinding through. I'm sending all these offers. This is the part of the calendar where I would say definitely pace yourself, know, and make sure you're not throttling too high because 
you want to make sure you have that exuberance, make sure you have that activity level um, dialed in to optimize your teams and trading and activity and all that stuff uh, when we get to things moving and shaking uh, in the coming weeks, but especially six to eight weeks from now um, as the season will be upon us. Uh, want to remind everybody, support the show, no advertising. We go straight through with Katie and myself talking strategy and dynasty data points here uh, that patreon.com slash UTH. We got some bonus content over there. Going to talk about some buy, sell players. We got plenty of topics on the weekly basis with Tim Torch. I also do some bonus shows over there. And of course, again, if you're listening to this show and we've got a bunch of people that have never even tried out UTHDynasty.com, if you like this show, uh, again, you're going to get stuff about exact startup draft strategy, player targets, uh, war room, interrogation room shows. I mean, the draft content alone, in my opinion, is worth it getting you ready for rookie draft season prospects um, and all of that in the critical March through May months. Uh, all this stuff uh, is going to be at your disposal. If you like listening to Dynasty podcasts, uh, I can't recommend more highly the premium shows that... Uh, you know, all the people that come on with me, my own solo shows there, it's going to get you hours on a weekly basis of content that you can start refining and recreation, but also there's a lot of proactivity and productivity in your dynasty shows there with UTH premium. All right. So that will do it. Katie is at underscore. Katie is at FF underscore Skylar 399 on Twitter. She mentioned before she's an open book. Uh, go read, uh, go read uh, what, what Katie is writing, all the questions you can ask her. Great stuff and resource there. And again, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.